All right, thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Yo, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkey, well, you, you're listening to the Cruise Control Podcast. And that's not a bad thing, a good thing. Bang! And this is the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Randy Cruz. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz. R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. I am now joined by Scott Fishman, pro wrestling contributor for the Miami Herald and contributor to Channel Guide. Scott, what's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, Randy. How are you? Um, I think it was last year, right? I was like your first guest for this. I don't know. Or one of the first guests? Yeah, man. You was guest number one for Cruise Control Podcast, and now we're... 30 shows into it, and you are back on again, man. <laughs> That's great. It's awesome. Thanks um, for having me again. No problem, man. Always a great always great to have you on. I know this is your second time on the show. Um, and when it comes to pro wrestling, you are one, uh, one of the main guys I look to have a conversation with. So uh, I know you're a big-time wrestling fan. So am I. So let's get right to it, man. Um, on Monday... Stone Cold podcast with Steve Austin and Brock Lesnar. It was a big time build up. This um, Brock Lesnar go to hell tour for the whole month of October, and he finally gets a chance to sit down with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you know, from what we've been reading online and stuff like that, that maybe a Brock and Stone Cold match was going to happen at WrestleMania 32. I don't think that's going to happen now. But before we get into that, I want to get your thoughts and insight on Stone Cold and the Brock Lesnar podcast that happened on Monday? Uh, well, even before that, I think it was really exciting to see Stone Cold on Raw kicking off Raw, too. I thought it was right, a really right. cool surprise and really uh, got... And it was like an unexpected moment, I think, just seeing Austin in the ring again for the first time in four years because um, the weeks leading up to it, he was you know listed in the advertising, and then all of a sudden you know they took him off. And then so fans weren't even sure if they were going to see him on Raw. Um, so that was a cool moment. And then uh, later on the night, like you said, uh, Austin had Brock on his podcast. Um, I think people went in with you know a lot of uh, high expectations or, or things that they were planning on seeing or wanting to see. You know, like a lot of people were seeing that the saying that the seeds were going to be planted for WrestleMania next year. And I think a lot of people were disappointed because of that. But I don't even know why they would be disappointed, considering everyone has been denying the fact that this is going to happen. You have Jim right. Ross. You know, Steve Austin and you know even Paul Heyman. You know, so many others have have gone on record and saying that this match is not going to happen. Yet fans, you know, you, you understand why. I mean, this is such a big match that this would happen, and, and fans really want to see it. Um, a hundred thousand people in Dallas. You would want, you know, you would want a big marquee main event such as that. I mean, at this point in time, I think uh, it's. An, I mean, it's all signs point that it's not going to happen. And I think they proved that during the podcast because. 
that was the prime opportunity for them to really build toward that WrestleMania match, at least subtly build toward it. But it was really just start. It was really just very conversational between two old friends talking about, you know, drinking beer and and Brock liking trucks, and you know, you see like a human being, you know, behind this monster that you see in the ring. And you know they touched on some good topics, and they even touched on the point where Austin walked out. You know, uh, during that before that match he was supposed to have with Brock Lesnar when during his uh, Lesnar's first run uh, back in 2002 or so, I, I think it was around there. So that was really cool to to get both of their viewpoints, you know, on record, seeing what was going to happen with that. And then towards the end, I think everyone was waiting. Okay, this is going to happen. They're going to come face to face. They're going to get physical. They're going to get verbal. I mean. It was um, very cordial. I think a lot more cordial than a lot of people thought. I mean, everyone I think was expecting kind of a confrontation between the two when they saw those right. you know, two guys together. Now, my thing is, before I ask you more about what they talked about on the podcast, now, if you know, playing fantasy, if Stone Cold was booked against Brock for WrestleMania 32, it'll sound good on paper. The, all the the promos will be fantastic you know, trying to fill that stadium up um, in Dallas. But realistically, would that be a good match to see, you know, Stone Cold and Brock um, at WrestleMania? Because we know Stone Cold is, is up there in age, and um, I just don't think he, he'll be physically able to handle a guy like Brock. Like, would the match, would would that match be any good? I think it would. I mean, Austin, you know, he would train like a, a beast. I mean, he still looks pretty, he looks good, like, uh, when you see him in public and, and, and per- personal appearances and things like that. But he's not really training for a match, you know, right now. But I think if he was and he had this looming, you know, ahead of him, I think he would train like a madman. And, uh, you know, this would be a huge draw, I think, especially, you know, you can even you go back to that built-in story, like where Austin, they can even use that, where Austin walked out and whatnot. So... I think there would be. A, I think it would be a good match. I mean, I, I mean, obviously this is not going to be the Austin of old, and I think he's probably you know his neck and everything. This is not probably a match, you know, you would want to put Austin in. And, you know, when you think of it as his neck problems and things like that, because you know how physical Brock Lesnar really is. Right. But um, that's probably one. You know, one of the things that Austin probably considered when he was maybe offered this match. You know prior is that's a lot of things people don't think about over you know the overall perspective of this how physical Brock Lesnar is and you want to put Austin in this type of situation like you said um, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a bad match it's just maybe something that you know if put yourself in Austin's shoes you know you're a guy who's been retired and you know you have this huge match in front of over 100,000 fans and you know you have a guy like Brock Lesnar who's so physical and you really need to be on your toes and, and just every match he's in, you're like in a war. It seems like a battle. You, I mean, look at look at the Undertaker and you know, his matches with uh, Brock Lesnar and the effects of that, that's been going on with him. So can imagine with Austin how that would turn out. But I think you know how Austin is and how driven he is and competitive. If he did, if he did accept the match, he would he definitely give his all and have a you know a good match with Brock. He would make it happen. I think now actually with such a big stage, you know, he would. You know, he's a guy that, you know, finished the match with a broken neck. I mean, it wasn't that far after the match, but he's worked through injuries before and things like that. So we know how tough Austin is. He's not given that moniker, the toughest SOB in WWE for no reason, you know. Now, if you were were booking this, and we know Brock is going to fight at WrestleMania 32, we just don't know against who. But if you can't have a Brock Stone Cold match, 
but you still want to utilize Stone Cold and some kind of Brock Lesnar storyline into uh, WrestleMania. What are what are some options that you would try to put Stone Cold with Brock, but not having Stone Cold actually wrestle in the ring with him? Well, I think um, I think the referee role is something that you know he's done in the past and he's done it really well. He's done it multiple times at WrestleMania. Um, I think that would be a good role for him, and also. Let's say they did Brock versus The Rock. I mean, there's built-in story between all three of these guys in different ways. So I think that would be a good match that I would want to see as a wrestling fan. And that has that marquee value where you're looking at two of the biggest names in not only WWE, but they transcend WWE. For Brock, it's for MMA and, you know, for in the UFC world. And then you have The Rock, of course, with Hollywood. So just bring every kind of audience together for this one blockbuster match. I think that's, I mean, a lot of people are talking about Triple H versus The Rock, but for me, as a booker, that's that's the match I would want to see if you're going to use The Rock. Now, what about if Brock is fighting for the title and Stone Cold happens to cost Brock the championship? What about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, then that would be built toward a match if they're going for it, but ah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there would be some sort of, you know, maybe Austin could represent something. That would be another role Austin could play bringing someone else in and elevating them because, you know, you look like a guy, I hate, I mean, I always bring this up because it's just frustrating for me. I know it's frustrating for a lot of fans. A guy like Cesaro, who the fans obviously like, he has a lot of, you know, skill level and someone who can physically go with Brock Lesnar and someone fans can get behind if they really built him up in the next year or less than a year or so. They can have him, you know, Austin could be, everyone could be like, okay, who's Austin going to choose as his man, you know, to walk him down to the ring at WrestleMania 32 Right. What a huge moment! What a huge opportunity! What a huge way to build someone new and to get that you know backing of Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, one of the biggest names in the history of WWE. I think that would put him on the map. So that, and then you have the built-in story with Paul Heyman, and you have Cesaro. Cesaro used to work with Heyman until Heyman, you know, now exclusively works with Lesnar. So there's a story there. So there's another role that um, you can have, and I think Cesaro versus Brock would be a really good match that fans would want to see if they promoted it correctly. Now, for those um, who may or may have not seen the podcast, they should go ahead because in the podcast, you get to see Brock Lesnar, you know, open up um, about him, the childhood, the the grind of getting to the world of professional wrestling. Um were you surprised or shocked of how of how open Brock was or the lack thereof of Brock just trying to hold everything in? Because we know he, he's a very private person, very antisocial to himself. But j- just you as a fan and as a, a, a someone who's watching, um, how did you feel about Brock trying to open up about about himself? I think it was nice to see him put his guard down for a bit. I mean, you, you kind of see it, saw it on his interview with SportsCenter a couple months ago, but this really delved in. I think Austin did a great job of, of making him feel comfortable. I think that's where the line of questioning came from at the beginning, or not even questioning, just talking about other things besides wrestling, making him feel at ease, you know, that this is a good environment where he could share and be open, and, you know, these are guys are two good friends. So I think that also helped. I think, the fact, I think that's the reason why Austin is in the role that he's in, is because these guys will feel comfortable talking to him because he's a peer. He's someone that's been through what they have been through, and he has family, has things that sacrifices he has made and things like that. So that made Brock feel comfortable just as just as much. And, I, I mean, it was it was nice to see that, you know, that side of Brock. I mean, as the interview went on and they started talking more and more about business, you could see uh, Brock's demeanor a little bit change. I mean, not much, but, 
you know, when he talked about not liking people, I thought that was hilarious. I mean, you can't, and, and just talking about it as a business, I think that pissed a lot of people off, you know, within uh, a lot of fans even about the fact that he said that he just comes in and he just punches in and out every day like it's just a job. And, mm. you know, for a lot of the guys, it's more than that. You know, it's a lifestyle for a lot of these guys. So when Brock said that, I think he kind of irked some people. But that's what that's his opinion. I mean, you can't really fault his opinion. That's how he feels. That's his perspective. He's, he's good at his job. I mean... He's a you know he's a box office draw, so you can't really fault the company for wanting to promote him and such. So that's the one thing that I think that was kind of newsworthy that people kind of were bothered by was the fact that he sees it as God forbid a job where he clocks in and out and he just sees it as making money and things like that. So that was the big takeaway I think you know and part of the big as far as something that I guess is somewhat controversial. For you know, the people are always looking for the dirt, so that's the one thing I guess people are taking from that. Right. Now, overall, I thought it was a you know it was a fun interview, and um, like I said, you got to see a different side of Brock, and you know, see that he has different aspects that he's like everybody else in the sense that he likes you know country music, he likes different things that other people like. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's like he's human in some ways, but when he's in the ring, he's like a different person. Now, now Stone Cold has had Brock. Triple H, Vince McMahon, on the podcast, on the network. Um, just from a personal standpoint, which of those did you like the best and you felt like you got the most out of that person on the podcast? Uh, I I enjoyed Vince's one because you don't really see him in that kind of environment uh, anymore very often, if ever. So I thought that was very, I thought that was very intriguing and, and watching those two talk. After all the years and everything that they've been through, that was probably my one of my favorite ones. And uh, I mean, they're all they're all good in their own ways, but um, that one really kicked it off. It really set the tone as far as uh, what we're gonna, what we're, we would see in the future interviews. In your opinion, what is next for Brock Lesnar and Undertaker at the Hell in a Cell on Sunday? I think that would have been. I mean, that would have been a. A really, I mean, a good question to ask. I think that's one of the questions I would have liked Austin to ask. I know it would have been like people were thinking, okay, he's hinting towards himself being his next opponent. But I think that would have been a good question to see what Brock feels like, who he wants to work with. Uh, but I, I guess it really doesn't matter for him. I mean, uh, here's a guy who who has worked with like different types of styles and different types of people, like a Seth Rollins or or uh, I mean, a bigger guys like the Big Show and things like that, and had has had great matches. I mean, they're great in a sense that you know they're not you know, uh, technically classics. I mean, it's just like a fight. Like, there's a level of, I would say, realism that he brings. Like, he makes you forget, you know, this is sports entertainment. It's like a different kind of feel when you see a Brock Lesnar match, no matter who he's facing. So, whoever he's facing, it'll be good. I mean, like I said, I mean, you can build a guy like Cesaro and have him be a credible person to face Brock Lesnar, but they're probably going to go with another kind of big name, but it'll be interesting to see what they next, they do in the next couple months. Um, you could see him winning the Royal Rumble and going after the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and, and Seth Rollins, and so it depends on what direction they're going. So they, he can easily go back to Seth Rollins because you forget, you know, he, he, you know, he wants his title back because of after, you know, what happened with everything with Seth Rollins. You know, he wants to get revenge, so I could see that. And then you can even see Roman Reigns also as another viable person to face Brock. We're chatting with Scott Fishman, a pro wrestling contributor for the Miami Herald. Um, he's on Twitter at SM Fishman. I want to get to ask you some questions about the network because since I had you on last year, a whole bunch of shows have come on 
the network, and I, I want to get your thoughts on that. What do you enjoy most about the network right now? Um, for me, I mean, I, at first it was the uh, nostalgia of the Nitros, the Raws, and, but WWE Network, the, the producers of that have been putting together a lot of really entertaining content. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the best shows that I think they did was uh, that WWE 24 series where they had kind of, you know, peeled the curtain back a little bit and you got to see the inner workings of things. And uh, it was almost like, you know, in that documentary style um, that was something I really enjoyed, and uh, the NXT specials are well worth the nine ninety nine a month. They're just incredible. And then uh, coming up now, the Breaking Grounds, you know, series that's starting up, which kind of has that feel of WWE twenty four, but you're following the wrestlers and you know what goes on and in, in their journey to becoming a WWE superstar. So that'll be really intriguing. Um, you have William Shatner doing the narration for that, so that'll be cool. So I think anything with those, I mean, even the podcasts, I mean, they have produced so much great content. I mean, I don't know if people even thought this was going to be the case when, you know, all, when the network actually launched. But um, I don't even like Corey Graves, even that, that quick uh, six minutes or so he does every week or every other week or, or so where he goes as a culture shock where he goes to different places outside of WWE Universe and, you know, experiences different things like tattoo shops or, you know, brony cons or things like that that you wouldn't even think of. So even that's that's fun. They're taking, you know, they're kind of thinking outside the box of different ideas. I think that's one of the good things about having the network is they get to, you know, really, I wouldn't say experiment, but, you know, open up the doors for other opportunities to, to go beyond, to see the superstars outside the ring like you probably wouldn't have otherwise. Now, is there something you would like to see added, if anything, to the network? Hmm. Um, I don't know if they're, I mean, I think they're, they're doing a good job in, you know, recognizing what fans really want to see on there. So, uh, as far as that, I'm, I don't know, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see with how this partnership with companies like Evolve builds, because, you know, with, with this Gabe Sapolsky thing, um, where they're kind of like promoting their their you know, the independent scene, in a sense. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they go that route and actually air, like, independent wrestling shows, like they do, like, a licensing agreement or something where they'll have, you know, these events on the WWE Network. I could see that in a foreseeable future, which would be kind of fun to see, you know, an Evolve show on, on the WWE Network one night and, and things like that. I mean, that would bring some good exposure to, to them and make WWE look like, you know, like they're opening their doors a little bit. After 20 episodes, what's your take on the whole Monday Night War series? Oh, yeah, that was another that was another fun uh, look back. I mean, a lot of the stories, a lot of the history um, has been told before, but I think they provided a nice... It, that went more in-depth than they did before, so I think that was fun to see that. And uh, I even enjoyed the, the JBL interviews with uh, Eric Bischoff. Yeah, so that, was, that two-part series was great and it's nice to see Bischoff back on the fold it seems like they're going to be doing more with him in the next couple of months or or the next year or so so that that was fun to see but yeah that 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 series was another one of my favorites especially for someone who you know grew up like like me and I think like you yourself were you were watching every Monday night flipping through the channels and you know wondering what you were gonna watch and and try to you know keep track of everything before the DVR, you know, there was VHS, but even then you didn't want to watch VHS. You wanted to be there current, you know, watching everything. And that was actually before uh, social media, too. So can you imagine the age of Twitter when Nitro and Raw were both on? That would have been crazy. Oh, God. 
Um, you know what? From from ninety five, not even from from ninety six to man, ninety six to ninety nine was the era where you had to constantly change remote control batteries because you <laughs> it'll die out so quick trying to flip through the channels between uh, TNT and USA because. You know, like you said, every Monday night was just Raw and, and Nitro, and you, you just couldn't stop watching wrestling. And, you know, most people nowadays who are, like, in their 30s won't, are, are a little timid to admit that they do currently watch wrestling or they used to or are a, a pro wrestling fan. But I think if you are a fan now but did not get a chance to see that era of wrestling from 95, 96 to 99 with, with the whole Nitro and, and Raw, um, you're really missing a big part of, I would say, the true golden era of professional wrestling. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with you to a certain extent about people not being like kind of like in the closet about being a wrestling fan, but I think now it's actually more prevalent. I think people are more comfortable coming out uh, and saying they're wrestling fans. I don't know if it has to, what's going on as far as just the popularity of it. Is maybe it's getting more, but I, I don't know. I think from the outside, I, mean, I don't even know if it's it's shows like Total Divas or or The Rock being so popular. It just I have or Brock Lesnar coming back. I don't know. It just feels like people are more accepting and and saying that they are a wrestling fan, but not as much like you said as it was back then, where people are proud to watch and you had so many viewers each week it's the crazy the amount of, of people that were watching that show and you compare it to today and the viewing habits and how they have changed so much but that was an exciting time a time that will never be replicated because just that, that's how the period was i mean you didn't have dvr you didn't have social media you didn't have you know such easy ways of finding out what was going to happen before it happened so there, the element of surprise was was still there and, and it was e- easier to do you know for companies to pull off you know having somebody show up unexpectedly or something happens or an unexpected title run i think that's one of the challenges of wwe facing right now is trying to elicit that you know that shock value not saying returning to the attitude area but something attitude area but something unexpected i mean the format was so new and fresh but now they're using almost a lot of the same elements of something that they used back in the 90s and it's just not working because people have already seen it before so you can't have the same format every week and i think that's the problem that they're they're seeing and they're facing is they're having the opening segment interview and they're having you know commercials at certain points and matches and it's become so predictable and even i i get that you know there's 52 weeks a year and you have so much programming to produce but there comes a time where you know it's gotta be you know you're paying all these guys you know x amount of money to to produce creatively stories that are compelling and are getting people interested and they're just not getting the job done and you know uh, a lot of the times and i don't it's a lot of, you know not to say it's not a challenge right now because we've seen pretty much everything but there's something that has to be done to get people interested um and three hours is a lot to consume so that's another challenge right there but just getting them interested like they have been before and there's been moments and times and little parts of the show where you become interested it's just there's like a disconnect there and it's like something that they need to figure out i think in the coming months especially when you're trying to get you know so many eyes and you know people in the audience for wrestlemania coming up so I know you touched on a lot of things that I'm going to get to as far as the product nowadays and how it differs from from back in the days. But just to keep it in fun for a little bit, um, which one do you miss more, WCW or ECW? 
Oh, for sure, WCW. Um, no offense to Paul Heyman and ECW, because <laughs> I was also a fan of theirs. But I think, you know, WCW was, was what I watched originally. I mean, um... I mean, I watched a lot of WWF too, but WCW was uh, just uh, for me. The cruiserweights was was always what drew me in uh, every week. Just uh, something that we haven't really seen before um, in such a you know on a, on a national level or worldwide level as that they were at the things that they were doing was was amazing. And then um, I don't know, just the seeing the familiar faces, the nostalgia there, I don't, the mix of talent. Um, I used to watch Saturday night on 605 on PBS, so yep. that was always kind of like a destination for me to watch, and I watched with my, you know, brother, and and we, I mean, Nitro was so much fun. It had such a different presentation and the live feel to it. I mean, it's just, it was, just, it just popped bigger, you know, popped more on television than, than Raw did at that, that point in time. So that was, this is, that's what I miss. I miss that, and, and the the competition was on par with WWE, which you don't see now. Like, WWE is like this only show in town. So, I mean, I know their competition is other forms of entertainment, but from a pro wrestling perspective, it was nice to have someone on a, a level playing field, an even playing field, I should someone that was on their level or even more, you know, exceeded their level at that some point, you know, some points in the history of WCW. And just having that, they competed, they feeded off each other, they worked off each other. There was, you know, I, I, I know that they have competition now. They they have to, you know, you know, uh, produce programming every week. But it's just not the same, I think, without WCW. So it, it is not having that competition like they did with Nitro in the 90s and WCW the main reason or one of the main factors of why the current product recently... Um, has been so complacent. It's uh, it's, it's a lot of factors. I think uh, it's the fact that they have all these hours of sh- of programming they have to produce. So that's got to be really hard on them. You know, you have SmackDown and you have like like three hours of Raw. You have WWE Network specials. You have you know uh, main events um, shows, superstar shows that all uh, air outside of the United States. So. That's a lot to handle, and um, I think that you know that's another thing is as the fans have seen a lot, so that's it's more of a challenge than ever before to hook viewers and um, who kind of are desensitized to what they're seeing because you know wrestling's now so out in the open as sports entertainment where it's hard to dis- you know dispel disbelief you know disbelief you know in what you're watching, and I think that was one of the, one of the great things about wrestling back in the day is you suspended you know belief and you know you were you were invested. You know, you know, you knew it was predetermined and scripted. But right. you know, there were points in time where you really were emotionally in, in, into what you were seeing, and I think that's what is missing in today's product. Is there, there's no connection that resonates with viewers so much that you must watch this show. Like for uh, hardcore fans like myself, you know, watching. You know, I watch every week, but there's others out there that you know have kind of tapered off and they're like okay I'm going to watch Monday Night Football or I'm going to watch something else or a movie there's so many other things go- you can do right now that's another thing is the competition isn't only entertainment on television it's uh, movies and tablet games and video games and there's so many things out there that pe- that are, you know and there's only so much time in the day that it's hard 
you know, you can't really say, oh, I watch WWE all the time, you know. So that's another reason, that, that's another thing that they're facing as time goes on. And um, I think the complacency of the formatting is really what bothers me the most is I want to see them switch it up. I don't even know if, I mean, I think one of the things maybe maybe it's worth exploring is changing up the, the entrance or the, the graphics and, and the look of it. Cause I think that would help just to show, you know, give it another, a different feel because I think that's another thing. That and the presentation and the fans getting involved, all of that plays in, in, to, in, in all of it because if I'm not seeing the fans excited in the arena, I mean, that's going to affect my enjoyment because if they're not excited, why should I be? I mean, so that's another thing that I think is affecting it. So, I mean, and then there's the obvious, the storylines that um, a lot of times it frustrates me when there's no consistency with storylines, with consistency with characters, um, or one week something happens, the next they just totally ignore it, or they, they just think we don't even see it existing. I mean, even, I know, I don't know what's going on with Luke Harper, but the fact that they just filled in uh, Eric Rowan without any explanation or making it a big a bigger deal than it was, I mean, they didn't even mention it until a couple minutes after or segments after about with Luke Harper. It's just, that was what bothers me, because I'm watching this, I'm seeing this, and, I'm, you know, I, it's like questioning the intelligence of your eye like <laughs> you think you think their fans are stupid or something that they're going to be like okay there's Eric Rowan again and you know that's that's okay and not have any explanation so that's kind of a little bit of a laziness on there on in my eyes so that's kind of frustrating for me so all these different things are factoring in I think to what we're seeing today yeah I, I mean the the the, the Eric Rowan character doesn't really um shock at me like oh wow eric rowan's on tv so for me as a fan i'm like i'm like okay he came back all right that, that's cool yeah but i mean you would want them to you would want them to uh say something about it. i mean bring it i mean if, if they, <laughs> yeah you're right, you're right i think that if you would have felt more invested in it, and if they made it kind of a big deal like he just showed up out of the shadows or or something like i don't know where they're going with the story so maybe i'm missing something totally off base but my initial impression is how do you bring somebody back, anybody back, like if, and not make it, you know, a bigger deal? Because this guy has been gone for quite a long time, and they're not even going to say anything about it. I mean, the announcers right. like drawing, bring the fact that he's even there, like even seeing him on TV. They're even, it's like, oh, there's the White family, and then not even mention where mm. Luke Harper is the, uh, that segment. <laughs> I know they mentioned it later on, but I, I think that moment should have been mentioned at that on that part of the show. Well, that 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 kind of leads me to uh, uh, a Twitter question I got from Ruckmania. He he asked the same thing: Is is Eric Rowan's return, in fact, the worst return you've ever seen? I think it was terrible for what it's worth. <laughs> it's, it is definitely up there with because it was so you know after you know it's such an afterthought. I mean, just <laughs> he was just a body basically. They could have put anybody there and and. According to WWE, they wouldn't have mentioned it, or you know, he would just be factored in or jumbled into the Wyatt family, which is, you know, those things. Consistency, I think, is a big, the big thing is with me. And I mean, like I said, maybe they're going somewhere with it. Maybe we're we're not seeing the whole story, but I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, you know, just to circle back real quick, uh, you mentioned how something about the entrances of um, just something something that 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 they could change or should change um me me as a fan i you know can get a little annoyed where 
the same set on Monday Night Raw is the same set you will see at a pay-per-view. And I know back in the days, the pay-per-views had their own set, their own entrance coming in. It felt like, all right, this is a, a, a freaking pay-per-view uh, main event kind of thing. And now, on Monday nights, you see the same Raw set entrance, and I'm probably you'll see the same set on, on Sunday for Hell in a Cell. Does that kind of thing like kind of bother you or know you like why aren't you really separating little things like the entrance of Monday Night Raw to the actual pay-per-view yeah I mean you want to make it seem like a bigger deal I think that was you know when you look back at the WCW I loved the WCW sets the Bash to Beach the Halloween Havoc um yeah it definitely set you know gave it a, a better a different tone or a different way of doing things, but it was—it didn't really strike me as a big deal until we were talking about it. Because, um, it, I mean, the presentation does have a a way about it, and maybe they—maybe cost-cutting measures, though. It, it's very expensive to 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 have different sets every time. But maybe they could put a little bit more thought in 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 the themes and, and kind of making it fun, as far as like what you said, and making it seem different than a Raw and SmackDown. I think that's going to be a challenge in itself because. Now it's going to be on the WWE Network, so it's not going to have the same feel as, like, I'm paying thirty nine ninety nine, which is, you know, I'm glad I'm not paying that, but just to see and how it has a different feel than a Monday Night Raw, because that's another thing. Raw is three hours, and so is a pay-per-view, so what's really different <laughs> than what you're seeing and then making it a big deal for making me want to watch? Yeah, it's, it's, up to it's, a bigger match. it's like Raw is a, a free pay-per-view on, on Monday, and... You know, my question is this: When, how long will it take them to to realize? Hey, you know, I think it's better if we tone it down and go back to to a two hour Monday Night Raw. How long before we go back to, to two hours, if ever? I don't ever know if that's going to happen or in the foreseeable future. <laughs> I mean, they're making so much money off that other hour that USA is paying them, so that would be detrimental financially if they did go that route but is it doing it more harm to good with the viewers i mean having them being wanting to be invested in three hours i mean if usa is happy then i mean there's no way that they're going to go back to two hours anytime soon i mean as long as usa is satisfied i mean if they're not going to be happy and they see the ratings continue to dip and keep going further and further they're going to want to know they want to see why and they're going to probably real you know they're going to analyze that and then maybe then they'll make a change maybe in a couple years but i think it's almost like too much of a good thing. I mean, as Nitro found out when they went to three hours, you figure they would go back and look at that and see what happened with that situation. And I think that was a challenge in itself because they had three hours of Nitro, you had two hours of Thunder Saturday night. I mean, it was even worse in many ways than having to produce all those hours of content and, and try to get people interested. Now, what do you say when, cause I know you see it, I know you hear it, where every time the... WWE is on ESPN. I, one, I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. It's a great partnership. Um, you're getting more than than the casual fans to to you know try to buy the network and watch your product. I, to me, I it does not bother me. But but for some reason, people are out there like, well, why are you putting this on ESPN Sports Center? It's not a sport. It's fake. It's not real. Why you keep doing this? Um, what do you say to those people out there who just constantly keep saying that they don't want to see anything with wrestling on ESPN and Sports Center and things like that? Um, I think 
the matter of fact, I mean, that's kind of, it's not like they're going to be on all the time. I mean, they, if they had to do a segment a week, I don't think it's going to do very much harm considering how, much, and how many hours of SportsCenter <laughs> airs. I don't see why that is such a big deal. I think, I mean, when you look back at the, when you look at the athletic backgrounds of all these guys and girls, you know, there is, you know, a level of sport to it. And also, when you look at what they, the, the things that they do in the ring is incredible. I mean, many athletes have said in the past when they have transitioned from football or, or other places and how difficult professional wrestling is. And there's a level of competition there. Yeah, it's predetermined, but there's athletics involved. And I think a spotlight should be put on them. I mean, and then they have their sports background, so they can talk about that. So I don't see why that's such a big deal to have them on, on ESPN. I mean, when you look back at the early days of wrestling and the AWA or the other types of wrestling organizations that were out there, they aired on ESPN, and that wasn't a big deal to me. But, I mean, what's to say, how is that more of a, less of a sport than playing poker or, you know, something like that? I mean, where it really requires no kind of like athletic ability you're sitting there at a table playing cards i mean yeah your mind and things like that so they people could say why is poker or other things like that on you know all these sports channels so i don't see why having a segment every week or having them focus on wwe every once you know covering it like that from that perspective i'm not saying like okay here are the results i mean here's what happened which isn't even that bad in my eyes but I think having one-on-one interviews like they've been doing and, you know, delving behind the character, I don't see why that is a big deal. I think it's great that ESPN is finally recognizing, and, you know, Jonathan Coachman, main player in that, is uh, that they're, and the decision makers there are realizing that, you know, there's a huge audience there that are interested in WWE. So, and they're seeing, you know, such a fan base, you know, uh, online and such a force online and a viewership. So I think they're, they're, they're taking action and they're seeing that. And I think it'll be cool to see, you know, the Sports Center set in, in Dallas, you know, with all these, this huge mass of humanity waiting to get into, uh, you know, AT&T Stadium. I think that would be a fun visual and, and I, I have no problem with it. I don't see why others people would have to. I like I like Seth Rollins. He's a great talent, very athletic, uh, great on the microphone. Two-part question for you. Um, are they somehow undermining his current reign as champion? And two, do you feel like the competition is too thin for him to have great matches? I think Seth Rollins can have great matches with anyone, as he's proven many times. And this... The year he has evolved so much, and I think he's really taken the ball and ran with it. When you look at his evolution and how he has grown on the microphone and grown in a sense of himself, where he feels this, you could see he exudes this confidence now when he's in the ring. Where you know people were questioning what was going to happen, like how is he the one that was chosen to be, you know, in the the guy to break out from the shield. But when you look at overall presentation and how he carries himself inside and outside the ring, like I've witnessed it myself when at these media events when he's been out and how he's he talks to the media and how he answers questions and how he interacts with fans and you know it makes me think like okay this is a guy who's who is given the uh, to be WWE World Heavyweight Champion and he's really making the most of it um, he's been in the business a long you know a long time before he signed with WWE and there was a, a rough patch uh, in developmental where, where he had this rude awakening and, and everything has grown and he's elevated his game and 
I think it's great to see him in this role, see someone different in this role. Um, that's important. And he has been able to work so many days. Like, look at the, the responsibility of a WWE World Heavyweight Champion is insane. Like, all the appearances they have to make outside of the ring. Absolutely. Um, he's taken up that responsibility. I mean, you're not only seeing, he's like almost uh, the opposite of what Brock Lesnar was. And neither is, you know, the wrong way to go, but... Rollins is, has been on Raw, wrestling on Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-view, live events even, and he's been representing the company in, in a good way, I think. So it was, it's been fun to see him. I mean, ha, has he been at times overexposed, like too much Seth Rollins on television? At times, yes, this is, this is definitely true. Um, and I think a problem, like you said, is it's at a point where there's not, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot less big name talent now. A lot of guys, but that's not Seth Rollins' fault. And um, they have to really develop. Like they, what they're doing with Seth Rollins, they need to be doing with a lot of other guys. And they've actually, st you know, that consistency. They've actually stayed consistent with Seth Rollins, and he is a great heel. Um, he plays that role very well. And um, I think that with the take a look at a guy like him, and that's what they need to do with other talents, not just Seth Rollins, but guys on the undercard that they really decide on a you know depending on the week whether they want to push or not so that's the one guy that they've actually stayed the path with stayed the course with and actually has continued to build up and you're seeing what can happen with that like i would love to see the same happen with other other guys and they use that as an example now on raw him and Shawn michaels had, had a great back and forth um you know debate or, or, or whatnot and the fact that the one thing seth rollins did say, which I, I think most of us agree, is that he's Shawn Michaels 2.0. And I think he has the ultimate opportunist kind of factors like Edge, but the athletic, uh, the athletic paralysis like Shawn Michaels, and especially on a microphone. Now, if I had to ask you, Scott, Seth Rollins 2015 against Shawn Michaels... 9697 who are you going with <laughs> um i'm a, i'm a big Shawn michaels fan so i would be definitely be cheering or wanting to see Shawn michaels win but that would be a like amazing match when i saw them go face to face on monday it would be, it was just like looking i was like these guys are kind of very similar but they they would have they're they're different enough where they would have like a real like really good matches and it's sad that Shawn retired cuz i even think today Shawn michaels of 2015, could have an amazing match with Seth Rollins. I mm. mean, it's sad that he retired, but, you know, think he's a man's got to do what he's got to do. He wants to be with his family and whatnot. But I think Shawn Michaels versus Seth Rollins even today would be awesome. That's a WrestleMania-caliber match, too, in itself. Right. I mean, I, mean, I, I would say Shawn is my favorite wrestler of all time, um, mm -hmm. him and Stone Cold. I guess I tend to separate wrestler and superstar. Um for the wrestler part, I will go with Shawn Michaels, Superstar Stone Cold. So now, if I try to put HBK and Seth Rollins in the same ring at the same time, both in their prime, um, it, 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 it's kind of like a mirror image of each other. Um, the attitude, the athletic ability for both in the ring, um, both Shawn and Seth can, you know, fly out the ring and do all these crazy moves. Um... But to me, as a fan, I would just like you, I would definitely go with Shawn Michaels 
96, 97, because at that time, in that era, um, again, going back to just because it's the Attitude Era, Sean, in that time, I don't think anybody can touch him in, in any company at that time. And the fact that he had that, DX going on. I like Seth. <laughs> Scott, don't, don't get me wrong, but I think Sean would beat him. Yeah, I mean, Shawn Michaels was on another level during that, that that period. And it was almost the same kind of situation that Shawn Michaels and Seth Rollins is in, like finding those opponents, you know, at a time where it's kind of thin, the roster yeah. is thin on, on, on big-name talent. Not talent, per se, but, you know, big-name talent that would be believable to be in a main event role against Seth Rollins at this point in time. It was like a similar situation with Shawn Michaels where, you know, they were trying to find guys for him to defend the WWF world title against. And they both stepped up. Yeah, so like, Sean's psycho Sid can be Seth Rollins' Kane, right? <laughs> I don't know. About that. I don't know. I'm, I think Kane a little bit better than uh, Psycho Sid. I guess that's a good comparison. I mean, when you look at a big man versus, uh, you know, uh, the other smaller guy, I think hey, yeah, that's a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at that point in time when they did start feuding, though, and, and I think it was almost 10, 20 years ago when they, uh, when they had that match. Hey man, Psycho said main evented WrestleMania and CM Punk never did. I, I just want to point that out. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Sid has had uh, you know a, a career though. He's headlined more than WrestleMania. Remember that match against Hogan, WrestleMania Eight, the Hoosier Dome or whatever it was. Yeah. You know? So, so, so was... Sid has main evented two WrestleManias and CM Punk has never re never main evented WrestleMania. That that makes it even worse, Scott. I think if he if CM Punk stuck around, he would have eventually made a fan of WrestleMania. I I believe that. Yeah, I guess when you have a match with John Cena and The Rock, um, I, I guess you can't beat that. It's the timing of it, I think. Yeah, um, it means everything. Are, are, are we are we ever going to see Daniel Bryan wrestle again, Scott? Some way, somehow, you're going to Daniel Bryan's going to make it happen. He made no bones about that. If WWE doesn't clear him, he would seek other places to go to uh, wrestle. That's crazy. You know, have, that's a guy that really, that's uh, the difference between, I think, Brock Lesnar and, and Daniel Bryan. Not, in, you know, whose idea is better, but Daniel Bryan sees it more as a job clocking it out. He loves, breathes, eats, sleeps, this, the you know, professional wrestling. He is dying to get back in the ring, so... If he wants to do it, and doctors have other doctors have cleared him, and he can work other places, and he will find a way to do it. Whether it's in a WWE ring, whether it's in a, you know in Japan, he's gonna make it happen. I think. What's your What's your betrayal of how they've been using Sting? Um, when you look at the old school mentality, is you know you put your you put others over towards the end of your you know run. You give back in, in a certain way, and I think Sting is has done that. He saw that, in a sense, with Seth Rollins, and if that was his final match, I mean, that was the ultimate way of kind of, I don't know if he passed the torch to Seth Rollins, because, you know, he didn't know he was going to get injured, but having that, he did have a great match, and he showed he could still perform on a high level, so I think he proved it to himself, he proved it to others, and I think if that was the last time Sting was in a, in a WWE ring, then that will happen. I mean, you can't really fault WWE for that, because you don't know what direction they were going to go after with Sting had he not gotten injured, and you don't know what they're going to do moving forward. I just, for me, as a fan, I did have a problem, though, with, with uh, like others. I, I see why he didn't win, 
but I would have liked to stay, see a sting went over at Triple H. I don't see how that would how that would have done any harm, and I think would have made a bigger impact. Um, looking back, is having Sting in his first match at WrestleMania defeat Triple H. I don't know if they saw it as being too predictable, and that's why they didn't do it, or what was the thinking and decision making behind it. But that was the only thing I uh, with that I, I would have liked to see. Um, but you saw some good glimpses of how WWE was using Sting in the right way when you had him playing those mind games with with Seth Rollins. I think we only really scratched the surface of what WWE wanted to do with Sting, and um, unfortunately he got injured, so I don't know what moving forward in the future, but hopefully we'll see him back in some sort of way. I don't know if it's going to be at a wrestling capacity or, or, you know, like a figure role, or, but, you know, when you're trying to pack like we keep going back to the ultimate 100,000 know, 100, fans, you, you need to all hands on deck, every big name you can think of, and that's one guy you would want to have on board in one way or another. Now, I, I think the initial plan um, for that Sting Triple H match at WrestleMania was, I mean, in the actual DVD that came out recently with Sting, it was somehow pointed out that he felt at that time that that was going to be his final match um, ever. So, you know, he, he's a very old-school guy. Like you said, put over the guys um, during your final match, just a way of giving back. And the same thing that, you know, I, I guess went with Taker. Uh, I guess people at the time felt like Taker at WrestleMania 30 was going to be his final match, and obviously it wasn't. And the same thing for Sting. Obviously it, it wasn't. So at that time, he's like, you know what? It's my final match. It, it's my first WrestleMania this the way. This is the way I want to do it. Somebody who who I'm comfortable with, with Triple H, and like you as a fan, I was like, how do you bring Sting in at WrestleMania and have him lose? And and like, okay, if you're gonna have him lose, don't tell me this is it for him. You know, he's not gonna go over um, in his career with WWE. What do you do? So now seeing that DVD and tracing everything back at that time. He wanted to lose because he felt that was that was his final match. Now what they what they do with him going forward? I know he got injured at Night of Champions, but hopefully, you know, I get it. We all get a chance to see Sting get one victory, not that little whatever against Big Show on Raw, which which was terrible. Um, but like a, a real dominant victory, maybe it's maybe it is Taker at, at 32. If they if they want to fill that 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 arena out, that stadium out. And a way for Taker to give back again and lose, why not to Sting? Um, either way, if that match uh, would happen, it's the expectations fans would put on it. It's like oh, virtually impossible for them to pull off uh, to exceed, you know, to meet those expectations because fans have dreamt for this match for so long. But right. just the visual of them standing, you know, face to face, it really wouldn't matter to me who who won that match. But it would it would be nice to see Sting win, like you said, a big quote big match. And that would be one of the biggest of all time. I got a few more for you, Scott, before I let you go. Um, the whole NXT thing, I to be to be honest with you, it, it took me a while to to watch it. Um, I kept seeing that you know every Wednesday on Twitter it was take over this and and respect that. I'm like, you know what? I got I got to start watching this. And when I did a, a few months ago, um, I, I am so <laughs> I'm so glad. That I did because now I get a chance to see the next up and coming superstars 
um, in the business from from Kevin Owens to Finn Balor, Sasha Banks, um, so on and so forth. And I think Triple H has done a an incredible job with the NXT brand. Um, the crowd there is amazing. It the crowd there, even though it's a lot smaller than a, a Monday Night Raw SmackDown, but that's how Raw SmackDown should be sounding. Um, like like an NXT crowd. What are your thoughts on the whole NXT brand and how vital it has become to the company? Oh, seeing the evolution of NXT has been really fun to watch in the last two years or so and the growth. And you hear Triple H talking about it, and he has such passion and such excitement when he talks about uh, NXT. This is his baby. He's like the proud father talking about one of his kids. And um, just the energy of an NXT show, like if anybody has never been to an NXT show and, and it comes to their area, you know, you, you should really take that opportunity to see it. Because the energy level, the the matches, the excitement level, everything is totally different than anything you would see on a you know on a WWE program. And I don't know if it's the intimacy of it or, or the fact that there are these young emerging talent that you want to see succeed, and you see you feel their passion. You know that they want to you know put on the best show possible and, and put on their best performance because they want to move up to the next level and uh, reach that bigger stage. So you know that you feel that for them. So I think that. So watching that and the stars like overcome, you genuinely, we talked about earlier, becoming genuinely emotionally invested, you know, suspending disbelief, you know, suspending disbelief just uh, watching the show. And I think, you know, a perfect example of that was that Bailey-Sasha Banks match, which, you know, was just incredible to, to watch how the story was being told from the build of it. And it's, it's something so simple. Like, they didn't have to... You know, less was more with that. I mean, you have a promo here, you have a, a video package there, but they didn't overdo it, you know, in the weeks leading up to it. And then they had that, that great match. And really, what kind of like the icing on the cake and, and the cherry on top was even afterwards when all the guys came out, all the guys and girls, you know, showing their appreciation. Just little things like that really make a big difference. And I think that's what makes NXT so great is having those moments. And that was one of the best, you know, shows of the year, no doubt, and one of the best matches of the year, just because of that and the historical, you know, significance of it. So now, what do you say to people um, who says that kayfabe is dead? Uh, in many ways, it definitely is, but there's, but that doesn't mean, you know, you can't still get invested in the product and, you know, you watch a movie, you're going to watch the movie and be like, okay, you're going to be able to feel up points if it's a good movie that you feel like you're you're there or you really want to see, the, you know, you really want to see what happens next or the right. characters. You know it's a movie. You know it's make-believe. But you're still going to watch Lord of the Rings and Spider-Man and, and all the other superhero movies. It's the same with professional wrestling. You're still going to watch because, you know, you want, you're, if you're interested in it, the stories compel you to watch, you're going to keep watching. So I think it's the same situation. I think it has... A, Problem that the curtain is back, and now we know, you know, more than ever of what happens. I don't think that's a problem if they do their job correctly, creatively. I think I think a lot of the the fact that if you're watching on TV, and what's going to make you really believe in the character, in the product, and be emotionally invested, um, part of that has to come from the announced team. And I know this has been going on for a couple of years, where people could say. JBL, Michael Cole, you know, Jerry Lawler, whoever, um, they just don't give you that that kind of feeling that what you're watching has a true uh, unique storyline. There's a reason why you should be watching. Now, um, is, is it because that 
whatever we are watching and whatever they're portraying, they're just not um, really giving it their all, or they're just too consumed about who's, you know, what's trending on social media and stuff like that, or the fact that someone like me and you are just spoiled from Jim Ross and how he did it so well that whenever I saw a match or whenever you saw a match and that he was calling, he made it feel like it was the greatest match in the world. Yeah, I think a part of it is that, like, once again, if the fan, just like the fans, if they're not invested, if the announcers don't sound, you know, there's a level of believability there, then we're not going to be invested in it also. Like, uh, you know, when they're not being serious or they're making jokes, and that was a problem I had with the women's wrestling when the, when they would do commentary, and that's not, you know, a knock on the, the announcing uh, in ge- I mean, that is an ounce, a knock on the announcing, but it's also partly in their, how they're being produced in the back and how, you know, things they're told to say. And there's so many things that go into an, uh, a wrestling broadcaster now of the sh- during the show that you can't, it's hard to compare because, yeah, Jim Ross, you know, had that arduous task. But, you know, Michael Cole has so many things probably said to him during the course of the show, so many promotions that he has to get in. So that could be a little distracting, um, I think. So, um but yeah, for me, you know, he was spoiled with Jim Ross and and uh, guys like that, and he did make a, a match feel bigger than it was, maybe even it was. It gave you know bigger matches, even you know larger feel to it. So, just had that talent, and um, we're just at a different point in time. But you know, Michael's doing the, you know the best job he can, I think, and what he's, uh-huh. he's been given. But it would be nice to have someone else come up and and become a you know. That announcer that everyone likes, and you know, I'm not saying people don't like Michael Cole, but I'm saying like the level of, you know, that they like the Jim Ross because, but Jim Ross was doing this for a, you know, twenty, you know, more than twenty years. He was doing this for like forty years, so it's just something that you develop over time. But yeah, definitely, announcers have it a very important role to play in a presentation of a of a show. I think in the success of a show. I'm gonna wrap this up um, like this. Um, I know. You- I touched on it. You've touched on it throughout uh, the podcast, but um, the fact that they rely too much on the the attitude era, the whole ruthless aggression era stars that can kind of hinder the young talent talent that we see now. Um, maybe some guys are not are not just ready to to main event a Monday Night Raw, main event a pay per view. Maybe they just don't have the faith in them right now. Um, the storylines we talked about, it, it just don't feel real or invested for a fan like me to to keep watching every Monday night or have to watch every Monday night. So the question is this, uh, two-part. Is it more to that, the fact that they just don't have the faith in the young guys right now to main event a Raw, a SmackDown, a pay-per-view? And then how long, um, how long before we see a pay-per-view, a Raw, a SmackDown, totally featuring the young stars, main eventing the young stars, NXT stars, and not your John Cena's, Randy Orton's, uh, Kane's, Big Shows, and people like that. Um, I mean, I mean, I think you're seeing this slowly and in, into it evolving, and it will eventually become that because if you look at WrestleMania this past year, I think there was an NXT person in every single one of the matches, or pretty much all. Right. All right. So that was. So that's going to show you right there. That's a telling thing that they, that you know, the NXT system is develop, you know, quote developing, but it's growing as <laughs> its own brand. But it's also cultivating talent to to reach that level. And I think 
you'll be doing them a disservice if they're not going to invest in these guys and give them opportunities to succeed. I mean, um, it's it's a different time. I think they're not given as much freedom as they used to with scripting and things like that as far as promos and things like that. But um, So I think that's another thing. It kind of hurts them in a way of getting over. But... They're, they're, it's gonna. It's a point in time now where they have no choice but to look to these guys. Similar situation when we talk about Shawn Michaels um, and getting that opportunity because it took all these guys leaving and all these situations and all these scenarios before Shawn Michaels was finally given the opportunity to be a certified main event guy. I mean, he was always on that level with the Intercontinental Championship, but that Iron Man match with Bret Hart and after that solidified him and it's going to get to that point where they're going to have to do that as well. They're going to reach a point where they we're having all these guys are not here anymore. Or they're getting older. They're retiring. And, um, yeah, we're the only show in town, but now we're kind of lacking that, that, uh, main event, big star base. So it's, it's a lot of it is up to the talent to really step up and break through and be noticed. But it's also it comes out of the company. It's, 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 both they go hand in hand but i think wwe is you know for its future definitely has no choice but to uh to bring all these big you know newer stars to the forefront now more than ever than before i think and then in past years hey final one uh for you scott uh who's walking in into wrestlemania 32 as champion and who's walking out as champion <laughs> uh i i would like to see rollins go into WrestleMania as the champion, I think would make it even meaningful. It would mean more to see him go in and then have him drop the belt to, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if people are going to matter about Brock Lesnar, but I don't know who else. I can't think of anyone else that right now, I mean, I don't even know if Roman Reigns would be built that much right now to where they can have him win the title finally because, you know, they're they're, they're waiting in the wings for him, for him to be ready for that. So I don't know. Um, if he will be ready again when WrestleMania time comes. But I would like to see Seth Rollins continue to hold the championship because um, really who else right now is going to hold it, <laughs> quite frankly. I mean, you have John Cena who's reportedly taken a hiatus. I mean, and uh, I guess I would like to see a Dean Ambrose step up, but I don't even know if they're going to give him that, that opportunity so quickly. Uh, and it's a match we've seen before, although I'd love to see Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose again no matter what because they – they put on such great great matches, but I don't know who to face, but I could see uh, Rollins going to WrestleMania but dropping the title. I just don't know against two, but it would be nice to see him keep it, you know, for almost a year or so. Right. I, I, I tend to agree with you that, that Seth... It would mean more. The title match would yeah. also mean more at WrestleMania, having him hold the title for that long. Yeah, for a whole year, Seth Rollins as champion. So hopefully he walks in to WrestleMania as champion, and you never know. He might walk out. You know, we've seen many people, you know, defend their championship and walk out with the belt so but i think if it's not brock then the question you ask like who's it going to be that is believable and say you know what i'm that i'm going to walk into wrestlemania after winning the rumble and i'm going to be arguably the best wrestler in the company right now in seth rollins but hey man you never know with these people they might pull a swerve and <laughs> we're like oh i you know i didn't see that coming but um, it does. It does remain to be seen. We got hell in a cell on on Sunday. So what? Out, I, I'm guessing outside of Brock and Taker, or if, if you want to put that in there, uh, what are you most looking forward to on Sunday? Um, uh, that should be interesting. Um, 
uh, Bray Wyatt and you know big match situations. Say what you want about Roman Reigns, but he has he has put on some good matches uh, over the past year. When you look at you know when when he's not on the microphone, unfortunately, but you know because sometimes it doesn't hit a home run. I should say, but uh, he's been growing on the mic. But um, as far as when and no one can dispel his his athletic ability. You've seen it on Monday Night Raw. So I think these two guys are going to have you know a really good match. Um, because they know the importance of of it, and um, and the, another big match situation, it's a good opportunity for them to be in. So I'm looking forward to that one. And then uh, New Day and the Dudleys, I've been loving. The New Day has been the greatest thing on WWE television. You talk about something being different and unique. That's that that's a team that is definitely that. Yep. So that's that's basically some. That's like the best the, the biggest the best act right now in WWE is the New Day for sure. Hey man, real quick. Someone I'm looking forward to seeing. Real quick, when is Bray Wyatt gonna get like a championship match? Like, like, I don't know. Like, really, that's really. Guy <laughs> they need to be promoting because you know, there's a guy who they don't follow through with. Like, as far as giving him mic time or what? I mean, they give him mic time, but it just feels like he's been lost in the shuffle all this year. Yeah. Um, ever since uh, WrestleMania, so that's been sad to see. So hopefully, it'll pick up in the next couple months. I hope so too, man. Um, Scott Fishman, pro wrestling contributor for the Miami Herald and contributor for Channel Guide. He's on Twitter at SM Fishman. Great stuff. Thank you again, my man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. All right.